Next up, we have uh, Christine van Heerden and Lawrence Moroni from QED Actuaries and Consultants, who will be presenting on the application of demographic projections to predict changes in life and non-life insurance penetration rates. Thanks. Good afternoon. Um, Lance, my colleague, and I wrote a paper together looking at how demographics influence penetration rates in Africa. And, um, okay, it doesn't show it down there. Um, so I'll start by taking you through the sort of current position, which is really as of 2013. And um, we looked at 2013 because this is the most recent year where we have data available for all the penetration rates. Um, but before that, I'll just take you through the rationale for why we chose this topic and why we looked at it. And then Lance will take you through the projections and some closing comments. So before I joined QED, Lance went to Marupeng, or the Cradle of Humankind, in Joburg. And what he saw there, or what really sort of, what he brought back definitely, was just that at this or exhibit, there were these insurance, or sorry, there were population pyramids. And these showed really rapid growth across a lot of populations for countries in Africa. And this really stuck by him. So when I joined QED a bit later, we had a discussion on this. And eventually I decided I'll also go to Maruping, see what these population pyramids show. And um, got there, and there's this little boat ride. It's quite fun. Uh, sort of goes through a volcanic age, and then there's an ice age and a waterfall. And eventually you get to this huge exhibit hall. And it seems to be a bit chronological, because you sort of start with the dodo. And then as you walk through, you get to like the cell phones. So I'm thinking, okay, well, insurance, well, population pyramids must be next. And they weren't there. So I'm not too sure where they were, but I never got to see them there. So what we did is we went back and we found the World Bank database, and they have a lot of data available looking at population projections. And what I saw is that really the, the, a lot of the countries in Africa show great population growth over the next 30 years. And this started a lot of questions between Lance and I. So sort of like just some of the basic questions that we started asking is, how will this impact on resources? Is there enough land and water and infrastructure to support these growing amounts of people? And um, how does it impact on jobs? Can jobs keep up with this population growth? How will that impact on per-person income and insurance penetration? So this was sort of going around in our minds, and another key question that we ask, and I don't think we ever answer in this presentation, but I think is good to take away, is, is this rapid growth a problem? And if it is, what is our professional responsibility around it? Should we be doing something about it? So with all these questions in our minds, we've heard quite a couple of presentations which show sort of very limited insurance penetration in a lot of African countries. And lots of people have said, well, this represents a great opportunity. Insurers must get into this market. I mean, penetration can only go up, and then it's going to be great. And um, especially since there's also high economic projections. So, I mean, this is the place to be. And what we decided to do is take more of a demographic angle, use that slant when we had a look at it, and less of just sort of saying, okay, well, the penetration is quite low. So we started with the penetration rates, and as you can see, they are fairly low across Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria, and Zambia in comparison to, say, South Africa and the world. 
And um, South Africa, I think, was pointed out in the previous penetration, the life penetration rate is a bit of an anomaly. And this is due to the lack of state funding for retirement, which really means that a lot of individuals make use of insurance products in funding for retirement. So purchasing annuity products, using it as savings vehicles. So that's really driving the life penetration for South Africa. But nevertheless, the insurance penetration rates of the other countries are quite low. Um, and Kenya sort of is an interesting example in this because between Ghana, Nigeria and Zambia, Kenya's penetration is quite a bit higher. And I'll get back to this later, why exactly this is so interesting. But as we were looking at this, we wondered, maybe there's a reason that the penetration is so low. And maybe that reason is that people cannot afford insurance. So we had a look at the gross national income per person. And this um, is used by the World Bank, the gross national income, or GNI, is very similar to GDP, but is used by the World Bank to classify countries uh, um, based on their incomes. So the first classification in that sort of brick background shading there is the low income classification. And that's where the annual income per person is less than $1,045 per year. The next sort of shading is the lower middle income category, and that's where the income per person annually is less than $4,125 per year. And um, if we think about $4,125 for the year, and how much you can buy with this, you start thinking that maybe you've got some more um, basic needs. Maybe you're more concerned about buying your food and your shelter, education, health care, and insurance is maybe not top of mind. So um, what we really took forward in this paper is that people at this level of income are unlikely to have a high demand for insurance. They might have a need for insurance, but their demand, given their income levels, is not going to be very high. The next level is the upper middle income level, and this is up to $12,745 per year, and then above that is the higher income level. And we see that for each of the countries considered, they are sitting at, at a GN, GNR per person, which places them as a lower middle income country. But um, it's quite unreasonable to assume, if we look at Kenya, for example, that in 2013 their GNR per person was $1,180. Uh, it's unreasonable to say everyone in Kenya has this GNI per person. So we had a look at sort of the wealth distribution within each country. And what, is, what this data is, is taken from the World Bank, and it basically breaks down each country into quintiles. So five equal portions of the population, and it says, okay, well, Q1, or that little light pink color at the top there, that's the lowest earning portion of the population. Q5 is the highest earning 20% of the population. And what we see is that across the countries, on average, the top 20% of the earning population holds about 50% of the wealth in that country. So there's a great sort of skewness of wealth distribution going on in each of these countries. So how does that translate to our GNR per person? And um, what we see here is on the left-hand side for each country, Q1, or the lowest earning quintile, and the GNR per person that they have, and then to the right, the GNR per person for the higher earning quintiles. And we see that for Ghana, Nigeria, and Zambia, 
only the top 20% of the population, the top earning 20%, is placed in that upper middle income bracket. The other 80% of the population is either in the lower or lower middle income bracket, where we spoke about having very limited insurance demand. Interesting for Kenya here is that none of the sort of quintiles breach that upper middle income bracket. And um, this is interesting because we just saw previously that they actually have one of the higher levels of insurance penetration of the four countries considered. So I think that there's a lot to be learned from Kenya in terms of what they've done right to get this insurance penetration despite fairly low levels of, um, of GNR per person. So also important here is a sort of GNR per person is, could be considered the income per person, but it's also it could be thought of as the spend per person. So in a family of three, for example, um, maybe the two parents earn an income, but money is being spent on the child. So they also, it's, it's sort of broken down um, to the child level. So the next thing we try to understand is what is driving these low levels of income. And where we went with this is to look at dependency ratios. So what the graph on the left shows is the very standard dependency ratio, which is the non-working age population, which is those below the age of 15 or above the age of 65, as a proportion of the working age population. So for ex example, in South Africa, for every 100 people that are of working age population, there's 54 non-working age population. We see that this ratio goes up from Ghana to Kenya to Nigeria to Zambia. And then the other sort of ratio that we considered is what we've termed the employment dependency ratio. And this says, okay, well, for every 100 people who are employed, how many are unemployed? And in South Africa, we can see that for every 100 employed people, there are 263 unemployed people. So if you think of sort of diluting someone's income, every person sort of got to split their income between another 2.6 people in South Africa. This is not as bad for Ghana and Kenya and Zambia and Nigeria is close to South Africa, but it does place a lot of pressure on the income earners in these countries. So we try to understand what is the root of these high dependency ratios. And starting with just the very standard dependency ratio, we looked at fertility rates. Now what these rates show from the left is quintile one or the lowest earning quintile for each country, so that light pink. And then to the right hand side for each country, the darker pink is the higher earning quintile. And we see, if you look at the top graph, that the actual fertility rates for women has a clear trend across all the countries, where those with a lower income have more children than those with a higher income. And this has some significant implications. If we take Kenya, for example, those in quintile one or Q1 have set, women have seven children on average, while those in quintile five have 2.9 children on average. This difference means that for families with two parents who earn the same amount, two families, two parents, the same amount, just the number of children results in the family with only 2.9 children having 83% more income per person. So this is quite significant. And we could ask, you know, is it a lack of family planning? Is it a lack of contraception? And so what we've done in the next graph is looked at what is the ideal fertility rates for women. So this was done by finding out from women how many children would they like to have. And we see that these ideal rates are a bit lower for all countries except Nigeria, but not significantly lower, not 
a huge number lower. Um, but the same trend exists where the poorer families have a higher, so, I don't know, demand is maybe not the right word, but want more children than the, than the higher earning families. Um, Nigeria being the exception here, where they really actually want more children than what they have. And um, we've seen some correlation with this and the literacy rates, and there's quite a lot of research and literature that's been done um, showing these correlations, where specifically on female literacy rates, the higher literacy rates usually translate to lower fertility rates. And we see this, for example, in South Africa, where there's high literacy rates and lower fertility rates, and then the converse in Nigeria. What's also quite interesting if we consider the literacy rates is that these are defined as the percentage of the population over the age of 15 who can read and write with understanding a short, simple sentence about their everyday life. And if you think about this, it's, it's a very simple, basic literacy. And yet, our simplest insurance products are sold with pages of terms and conditions. So if someone doesn't understand or can't read and write, are they going to have a high demand for insurance? Maybe they have a need, but they probably don't understand what's being sold to them in the pages of terms and conditions. So possibly not. So this explains sort of the normal dependency ratios, but now to have a look at the employment dependency ratios, we'll turn to the unemployment levels. And we start with unemployment, which is the dark pink sort of bar, and this is the percentage of the population who is actively seeking jobs, who's available for work and wants a job but is unemployed. And we see that actually in comparison to South Africa, Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria and Zambia are doing quite well. Their unemployment rates are quite low. But then we found a statistic which is called vulnerable employment. And this says those people that have a job, if it's either an own account worker or someone who's an unpaid family worker, they are then classified as vulnerable unemployment. And we see that these values are very high for Ghana and Kenya and Zambia. Um, the statistics aren't available for Nigeria or for the world. So if we consider that, then we realize that the sort of portion of the population that is in stable employment is quite limited, placing further pressure on sort of creating income and sustainability. And um, something we haven't looked into but we think could be good for future research is just trying to understand the differences between the unemployment rate and the vulnerable employment rates. So for example, maybe in South Africa, if you asked a street vendor who's selling bananas on the side of the road, are you employed? He might say, no, I'm selling bananas because I can't get a job. Um, whereas in Ghana, maybe the same person would say, yes, I'm employed, I'm selling bananas. And thus, in South Africa, they'd be classified as unemployed, but in Ghana, they'd be classified as employed, but vulnerably. So I think it's important for us to understand that, but unfortunately, we don't have sort of all the answers around how these statistics were derived. But yes, I think it does show that there is sort of um, scarcity of sustainable, stable jobs. And then the next slide looks at, well, sorry, the previous slide considered the proportion of the workforce who wants to find a job, who wants to work. Whereas this next slide says, okay, what proportion of the population aged 15 years and older is employed? And we see very low levels for South Africa, but um, the levels in, in Ghana and Kenya, Nigeria and Zambia are also, I think, problem-causing. 
So it doesn't consider whether you want a job or not, it just considers are you employed over the age of 15. So I think if we take these sort of statistics into account and having looked at this, there's some pressure on just the um, income that each family has, the number of people who have jobs, and this sort of limits the ability for people to really have a high demand for insurance because they've got more basic needs that they're trying to meet. I'm now going to hand over to Lance, who will take you through the projections. Um, yeah, I must say when uh, Christine came back to the office that, that Monday after I'd sent her to Maripeng to the exhibition, um, uh, which is uh, a lot about the history of humanity, the history of the planet, and I told her at the end she's going to find inspiration for the paper that we wanted to write in terms of uh, the section that I thought I saw. Um, anyway, she didn't see it, so I felt a bit bad about that. Um, I'd, I'd just be interested to know how many people in the audience have been to the exhibition at Maripeng. Okay, well, it does come highly recommended. Let me d definitely not forget to say that. It's a, really a, a great exhibition that we in Joburg um, have, uh, um, uh, uh, have, um, are, can be proud of. Um, so I remember seeing towards the end of, of the exhibition um, uh, a section that re really uh, was brought to current terms in, in terms of uh, discussing some countries in Africa that are growing very rapidly um, and uh, uh, talking about the impact that this might have on basic resources such as water. Um, a second thing that also sparked my interest is uh, a discussion over dependency ratios. The fact that, and as we've seen in Africa, has currently has really high dependency ratios. A discussion about that these dependency ratios are projected to um, improve over time, but um, it's quite a slow rate. So let's look at the numbers. Um, so here we have a population pyramid, current population pyramid for Zambia, 2013. Um, and so what should we say about it? Uh, it looks like a pyramid. Um, and the reason for that is it's very much driven by the high fertility rates um, that, that we saw from Christine's slide earlier. So you've got a lot of um, births happening and the largest age bands being, being the youngest age bands. And then tapering quite quickly uh, towards older ages, also reflective of a higher rate of mortality. This, in fact, so I'm showing Zambia. I'm not going to show Nigeria, um, Kenya, and Ghana. The characteristic of the population pyramids is very much the same. So if we go 10, 20, and 30 years forward, then what we see is that the, the, the numbers have grown quite significantly. And interestingly, the, the shape still is projected to be this pyramid shape in, in 30 years' time, in the year 2043, which is basically projecting an ongoing high fertility rate still in 30 years' time in Zambia, um, and is also reflective of, of uh, still at that stage a rapidly growing population. So to summarize that, um, uh, and interestingly and significantly, for me, the population has grown from 15 million in 2013 to, to 36 million in 2043. Um, as I say, the, the other developing economies in our paper um, have a very similar sort of trend and outcome to this. Um, perhaps significant to mention uh, um, sorry, Nigeria, starting in 2013 with a much 
a much higher pop uh, base population in 2013 of uh, 172 million and uh, uh, basically doubling uh, in population, projected to double in, in 30 years. So that's basically the picture, you could say, of the developing economies. I will touch on South Africa as well. So South Africa, that's how population looks um, currently. So what, what you see here is a narrowing base, which is um, indicating a slowdown in fertility rates. Um, and also interestingly is a bulge in the, in the age band 15 to, to 30. The working, very much the, the young working age population. And that's, uh, that's basically the impact of ongoing rates of immigration in, in, into the country over a number of, of, of past years, uh, the last 20 years. Um, if we then fast forward 10, 20 and 30 years for South Africa, what we see is that the, those lower rates of fertility do persist. In fact, there's a, a slight narrowing of, of the base of, of the population pyramid um, projected for in 30 years' time. And the, the population has aged. So that working, uh, the older ages have now increased as, as the, uh, the, the bulge at lower working ages have, have aged um, in current, um, which is, you know, um, as, as that bulge in the 20 to, to 30 sort of age band has, has aged um, 30 years going forward. And developing to more, towards more of a, a bell-shaped population pyramid, which is, would, which shape is, um, would uh, uh, depict a developing, um, a developed, sorry, a developed economy. So the next question we might, we wanted to look into is those dependency ratios. So on the next slide, um, we've got Zambia, back to Zambia, and we show uh, on those two continuous li lines on the, on the top graph, we've got dependency ratios. So we've got the employed dependency ratio on the top with a broken line, and the continuous line is the, the pure dependency ratio. Um, so starting at a high level for Zambia, remember it was 97 to non-working age people to 100 working age people uh, for Zambia very high by world standards, that's a continuous line, and the, the, the broken line on top, the employee dependency ratio. Fundamentally, for us to, the, okay, let's say the, the projection of the dependency ratio was provided by our statistics from the World Bank, so the, the solid continuous line. To project the employee dependency ratio requires an assumption of the same rates of employment um, as, as there is currently in 2013. And so, so what we see is the dependency ratio, and we do see in the good news, I guess, is the dependency ratio and the employee dependency ratio does improve over time. And with that, we would, as Christine has said earlier, sharing um, an income for a family between fewer people should imply increased, an increased per, uh, income per capita. So that's, that's a, a positive indicator. The solid part of the top, top graph is just the growth in the number of, popu of, of the population. So starting at the 15 million and ending up at the 36 million at the end and breaking it down to younger ages, 15 and under, 15 to 65 in the middle and the 65 and above in the top. And what, uh, another characteristic of this is the, the younger age population, middle age population, old age population all growing in number going forward. Um, the bottom graph then, getting to that one, um, that the, the, the solid bars to the right of 2013 is basically the absolute number of jobs that need to be created 
um, going forward to maintain the rate, the current rates of employment. Um, and then you can see, you know, a, a distinct upward trend in those numbers. So those are the net number of jobs that need to be created. And that's just purely driven by the growth in the numbers of the, of the population. So the population grow, is growing, the working age population is growing, and to keep the same rates of employment, the economy is going to be challenged to create more and more uh, jobs every year. So this is just a, a something that we modeled. Percentage-wise, in terms of the, the increase, percentage increase in jobs, it's not out of line with history, as we see in that graph and to the left of that solid black line. Um, but I think it's notable to see, you know, and um, we, we, we predict that this will be a challenge for economies and to, to apply themselves as to what economic development is going to be supportive of job creation. Going to the next slide, well, before I just flip there, I'm not going to show you for the other developing economies of Nigeria, um, uh, Ghana and Kenya. The, the trend is similar. The dependency ratios are reducing slowly over time. Um, the population is, is growing uh, quite significantly, like for Zambia, and the requirement for job creation in terms of absolute numbers is just increasing over time in, in order to, to maintain the current rates of employment. So we'll just then show South Africa, which is a little bit of a different characteristic. So on the top graph, the dependency ratios here are also um, projected to slowly improve over time. Um, and dependency ratios and employed dependency ratios here, I guess the characteristic of South Africa is that employed dependency ratio is so much higher because of the low rates of um, uh, employment uh, in terms of the, the World Bank stats. Um, the population is slowly growing over time. I think it grows from f 53 million in 2013 to 71 million in 2043. That's what the projections show. And, and in terms of the, yeah, so the, the overall numbers are growing, projected to grow for South Africa on the top graph. Interestingly, the, interestingly though, the, the younger age population is, is quite flat. It's the numbers of those younger age po population are quite stable, projected to be quite stable going forward because of the slowdown in infertility rates. In, in South Africa. The bottom of the graph then for South, South Africa shows in terms of the absolute number of jobs that need to be created, the net number of jobs that need to be created every year, quite um, uh, not, not, not looking too onerous. Um, and that's, I guess, just because of the current high rates of unemployment in South Africa. And of course, if you want to improve the, the employment rate, those numbers will, will, will need to increase. The next thing that we'd like to look at then is sort of income per person. So not only projecting dependency ratios, but how is sort of the an income per person projected to, to sort of progress going forward. So starting with Zambia. Um, so underlying this projection, we needed, to proje we needed a GDP projection, projection. So yeah, we were, apply to actual minds here and okay for eight years we well not maybe not too much but for eight years you've got a, a forecast of GDP from from the IMF and basically what we did is we took the the projection of GDP on the eighth year and we just extrapolated that going forward so obviously a key assumption here um, and for Zambia that long-term rates of, of GDP growth is uh, uh, fairly optimistic at 5.5 percent so basically what the graph shows is at a rates of GDP growth going forward of 5.5%, of 
the, the growth in GDP will outstrip the growth in, in numbers of population, and we see the, the GNR per person um, trending up over time, projected to trend up over time. Um, also, what will, clearly there's five lines here. We've basically, in our projections, we've um, assumed the same proportion of, of proportional splits of the income of the economy between the, the five quintiles um, of earning quintiles of the, of the population as at 2013. So we've, we've assumed the same level of skewness going forward. Of course, uh, what we've also seen in, in a presentation um, yesterday on, on climate change is that, that there is indeed a sort of a, tr a historic trend of, of the Gini index and inequality, uh, inequality of income just to increase over time, further and further in inequality of income over time. So that, that is you know, clearly a, um, a key assumption that just needs to be noted there. And notable then in terms of the results, if, assuming that the, the same spread of income, is that you know, fairly limited improvements across a, lo a large section of the population in terms of average income level. So we're projecting in 2050 that 80% of the population will have a GNR per person less than 4,000 US dollars per annum. So that's the lower middle income category, and we're saying sort of highly limited sort of, um, uh, uh, sort of ability to earn anything over and above those basic needs, uh, something that Christine sort of covered uh, earlier. Um, and you've got the highest earning quintile starting at the upper middle income category and, and growing to the, to, to the highest income category. Um, and there, there we think that there's you know, potential for um, uh, insurance penetration in that category, and certainly in terms of the more traditional insurance products. And the, the fortune of that um, section of the population is projected to improve, um, which, which would be expected to improve um, insurance spend, um, certainly in the traditional products. I suppose also, and we've also heard um, yesterday that you know, we, we always, we're putting sort of numbers on, on per people's income, and it's not necessarily you know, appropriate to do that. But what we might also call, call this lower, you know, the, the bottom 60% 60, 60 of the population, also we might also refer to as the informal sector as well. So in a large section of the population projected to, 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 to remain in that in, informal sector, therefore. Going to the next slide, uh, Ghana. So um, Ghana, the long-term long GDP uh, forecast we've used as 4.6%. And then we see you know, by 2050, 60% of the population still in that low middle income category or low income category. And then the next, the, the, the second highest uh, breaching the upper middle income category and the highest um, reaching the upper end of the upper middle income category. So, yeah, I guess that upper middle income category indicating, you know, the, the fact that um, uh, the ability to, to, to spend um, on, on insurance um, is projected to increase there, but for the rest of the population, uh, sort of still having fairly limited spend on, 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 on in traditional in insurance products. Going to the next slide for Kenya. So Kenya starts at, at was one of the poorest economies in terms of average income levels and across the quintiles. So, um, 80 you know, 60% of the population is at the low income category, and then uh, by 2050 that 60% rises to the low middle income category. Um, and then the second highest bottom end of the upper middle income category and the highest to the uh, highest income category, we've projected a GDP growth rate 
the most optimistic rates of GDP growth for Kenya out of all the countries at 6.5%. So that's you know, clearly having an impact on, on our projections. The next slide, Nigeria. So Nigeria, we're projecting a GDP growth of 4%. Nigeria, one of the countries with, with the, one of the highest growing populations, so impacted by that. So more limited projected sort of improvements in, in average income levels for Nigeria. Um, a large section of the population, uh, 60 to 80% at or around that um, low middle income category by 2050. So, yeah, limited, I guess, after, after all of those developing economies, kind of limited projected sort of improvements in a large proportion of the population and, uh, in terms of average income levels. Um, and in South Africa, um, we've just, we saw a slide earlier from Christine. I think our highest earning um, income band earns 70% of the income of the country, and this is a direct effects on, on penetration in South Africa. Um, and the top two quintiles, I think, is about 85%. Um, and so that, that's just projected to continue if the current rates of spread of income and based on a GDP growth rate of 2.4%, that highest earning quintile just gets, gets into a better situation. However, with, with the lower income earning section of the population having quite a limited improvement in income levels, and by 2015, 60% of our population projected to, to be in, in the low middle income category. So the conclusion of these projections is that, you know, we, we've indeed seen that the World Bank stats show significant population growth. Um, this, this will um, create, place pressure on income levels going forward. Uh, so we, we, we're projecting that the majority of the population, in fact, is, is projected to maintain a low income level and basically projecting ongoing significant current and ongoing uh, high rates of, of uh, high levels of poverty. In terms of, based on the demographics alone, I guess, um, if we can separate out everything else, the conclusion will be, you know, based on demographics, limited potential for, 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 for future growth in insurance penetration. Some questions that came out of our, our research and uh, um, key sort of themes, and uh, they do ring with a number of the themes that we've seen at this year's convention, is clearly microinsurance has a key uh, role still to play. You know, significant further strides in microinsurance is, is fundamental to, to penetration of, you know, the, these, uh, lo the large proportion of, of, of all of these populations that, um, that do have a very low income level. Um, it's the topic has been, you know, to maintain this, it's been called the social relevance of insurance. And, and microinsurance is going to um, maintain, be, be, uh, re, uh, remain a key uh, challenge for, for the insurance industry going forward. And it's clear from these projections. Another a key sort of topic that came out is the need for diversified economies that are supportive of job creation. So perhaps even the insurance industry can apply themselves to that. What is, what is economic development that is also supportive of job creation? This is going to be a fundamental need of, of all of, all of the, the countries that we've, we've considered so far. The third topic is, is uh, sustainability. I mean, we can, you can only think with those, just the, the growth in the numbers of, of those populations, what stresses that can create on basic resources such as water? 
I do feel that you know, there's a growing need for all of industry to apply themselves more and more to, to sustainable solutions. Um, and it certainly doesn't exclude the insurance industry. We've seen a, a topic on climate change already, which is encouraging to see. However, I think the potential for solutions is really vast. Um, it's, not, it's not a case of just one, one, one solution to the problem, and it's really broad. It goes to sort of high-level indicators and metrics that we're trying to set ourselves and abide to, and it's a, a lot of a, a, political, a very big political challenge. But it also goes down to the behavior of companies, thinking about you know, what's, what, how does our behavior, what, what impact does it have on the environment, both the, the natural environment and the social environment, and then, of course, we, we, for me, we can also think about uh, products, the products that, that we develop. Are our products sort of, again, sustainable, sensitive to the environment? Can we as insurance companies support in, 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 uh, in industry development which, which promotes uh, sustainable solutions and sustainable economic development? The second last point is the, uh, the point of education. Um, as Christine mentioned earlier, education um, is, is in uh, a lot of research has been found to have a profound impact on fertility. And, and for me, it's, it's easy to speculate that surely education would also have a profound income on insurance penetration. Surely, the, you know, increased level of in education will only help people to understand policy conditions and the benefits of, of insurance. And perhaps the, the, the insurance industry could play a, a more proactive role here. And the last point, um, just highlighting again the, the, the penetration rates of Kenya. You know, penetration is, I, I guess, clearly an, an indicator for us as an indus, industry, a high-level indicator of the success of, of our market. Um, and, and Kenya is, is an, um, sort of does stand out in terms of the developing uh, economies. And perhaps we could, um, more, more sort of research can be done on the case of Kenya and, and, and actually learn from, from, from the, the successes that they have achieved. And that brings us to the end of our presentation. For a greater selection of demographics, currents and projected demographics, and if you haven't read our paper, we'd really encourage you to, to have a look at our paper. Thank you. Thanks, Lance and Christine. Uh, we have about five minutes for questions for both presentations, so do we have any questions? No questions. All right. Thanks, everyone, for attending, and thank you very much to um, Deloitte and to QED for, for the interesting presentations.